0: 21st I actually went to go get the test okay I wasn't feeling well I was actually and I was talking to my first lady at my church I was actually feel, supposed to be mm-hmm. at a women's conference at my church and I didn't feel well but I didn't know what I had and, and it wasn't like I was congested I was just tired I was just extremely tired mm-hmm. and I just couldn't get my thoughts together and I was thinking, okay, something's wrong, but I don't know what's wrong.
1: Because you were in the midst of doing you. You were launching two businesses, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a, a partner and I were, were trying to get a co-work space up and running. Okay. Had just celebrated uh, a grand opening. And then in addition to that, we were working on trying to get an Airbnb together.
1: There and so it is. There I was is. watching
0: those things. And, and paying attention to those people said, well, was it that grand opening you did? And it wasn't because the grand opening was August the 1st. But this was mm. September the 21st. Yes. When, well, it was, the, it was like the 15th. I started feeling funny around the 15th of September. Okay. And it had progressed until the 21st. I decided I need to go get tested to make sure this is not COVID. Because what people who don't know me don't know is that in 1968, my mother died of a pandemic. Really? And I am my mother's image. I mean, I look exactly like her. (laughs) And so, of of all my siblings, I'm the one that looks the most like her. And I didn't want history to repeat itself because her problem was she got sick around Thanksgiving in November and then... Christmas, the week before Christmas, my dad took her to the emergency room and they kept her. And they said if if she had came 24 hours earlier, they may have been able to save her. She was 33 years old and died of the Hong Kong flu, which is the pandemic that people don't talk about, but it was the last pandemic. So I've lived through two, (laughs) but didn't want to repeat her, uh, you know, learn from her lesson. And so I decided to go get tested, even though people around me were saying, Oh no, you know, it's a it's a hoax, this, this, is whatever. But I just felt like I needed to get tested. When I got tested, and then two days later, they emailed me, and it had this big red square that said positive. So I was reading it on my cell phone and I screenshot it. And I have three grown sons. Yes. So I sent it to my sons and I said, hey, your mom has tested positive for COVID. I always sort things, hey, your mom. So that's how I talk to them when it's concerning myself. And my oldest one said, he told me to get to the doctor. My, I have two firefighters and a logistics specialist. So my, my oldest son and my youngest son are both first responders. And so they've seen a lot through this pandemic of people having various illnesses and stuff. And they've been blessed where neither of them have been um, as bad as I was. So I, I, I don't remember him saying that, but I remember having the presence of mind to call my doctor. And I called her and I said, okay, I just tested positive for COVID. What do I need to do? And she said, Linda, get to the emergency room now. I'm going to pre-register
1: you. Now, she was responding to what she knows about your health at that moment. She has
0: known me. So I've had the same doctor. Uh, I've been in that office for about 30 years, and I've had the same doctor for probably the last
1: 15. Okay, because you have three of the four. Yes.
0: Yes, I have three of the four illnesses that they say that the Delta variant will take you out. I have three of the four.
1: And you have asthma, high blood pressure, and diabetes. Yes, okay. Like two diabetes,
0: yeah. So her being my doctor knew this. She said, get to the emergency room now. She was gonna pre-register me, and she did. What I remember is, I I remember getting dressed, and I remember, I don't know why I had this shirt on, If they had looked at me, they would have said, yeah, she's got something going on wrong. I never walk out of the house going anywhere in my house shoes, ever. But I had on some plaid shorts, a
1: white tee, (laughs) and my pink house shoes. Lord, I was looking a mess. Girl, that's how I leave the house every day. (laughs) I go to the store like that every day. Oh, my Lord. If they'd (laughs) have saw me. I mean, these were house shoes, house shoes. These were not like the the house shoes that, that could be... No, no, we're not talking about the quick going to the store shoes like a pair of mules or a pair yeah, of wedges. Yeah, no. No, 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 We're talking about it. the terror cloth ones with the band across the top. <laughs> yes, ma'am. It was yes, ma'am straight house shoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said if they ever looked at me, she said, yes, I'm wrong right with her. But I and then I had on these plaid, so these are pink house shoes. I have on this um, beige plaid shorts, walking shorts, and then I have on this t-shirt that I only God knows what it says. And I, and I'm I'm going ahead and comb my hair. I did have taken a shower and all that, but I went to the emergency room and I, I thought I gave the man my driver's license. Okay. And so when I woke up, I couldn't find my wallet. So I thought somebody had my wallet, Well, it turns out my wallet was on the backside of my bed and I actually gave him my passport because that's the only idea I had. I remember giving him something. And so it was, that, that brain
1: head. fog from the covid had Girl, already oh, taken hot effect mess. on you
0: hotness and so i remember the guy telling me well come go we've been looking for you come go this way and i remember looking to my right and walking behind him and that's all of my clear memories until 15 days later when i woke up Okay and so right then go ahead yeah what they say the medical staff there says is that I flatlined. That I passed out in flatline.
1: Cold blue cold blue flatline you dropped right it. there where you were. Now were you in a wheelchair? Were you on a gurney? I was walking. He, he asked me to follow him.
0: And I, I saw him and I followed him but that's the last clear memory I have. I do remember prior to that sitting and, and telling my son to come get my car because I drove myself and I was afraid something was going to happen. If they, you know, I was in the emergency room, you don't park in the emergency room unless you're an ambulance or something. And so I do remember t- texting my son and telling him to, for him and his brother to come get my car. But other than that, I don't, my last thought was walking behind that guy. And I couldn't tell I, today I can't tell you who he was. But then after I woke up, various people came in my, in my room, I was in ICU, and various people was, were coming in my room and saying, we thought we lost you. We thought we lost you. We're so glad you're here. We don't get to see life after the ventilator. You're the oldest living person to come off the ventilator and live. List. Usually people die. And they were having, um, I was in ICU and and they were and i woke up and the, the lady was talking about putting another nasal feeding tube in me and
1: i couldn't say jesus is right i couldn't say anything jesus Who jesus is right and i just remember
0: telling her no i didn't want another feeding tube okay. didn't know i had the first feeding tube didn't know i had been on a ventilator but i was dreaming while i was unconscious my mind was mind-traveling to all these different places, and the dreams kept, the same dream kept coming in sequence, and I dreamed a lot about Asian people. I don't even know why, but I had to dream about Asian people, and it's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole thing, but there's these little segments all everywhere. Okay,
1: so you probably are going to help some People in China start businesses in the U.S. Okay, come on with I it. I see. It. I, I see. It. I see. it. I you see know, it. W- and one time, I was a
0: property owner, and this 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 Asian lady was paying me rent every two weeks, and so she would tell me well, how much money she was giving me for, for for her rent in my place. Craziness. But then I woke up, and I remember I remember the testing that they put another tube in me because something in my spirit said you don't need that. And so I remember people praying over me. Okay. I remember there were some East Indians having a prayer thing in the, in the room outside of my room. I remember uh, a Hawaiian doctor telling me that this means it's good. I remember all these various people from right. all these various right. cultures. But at the end of the day, I didn't get the feeding tube in me a second time. And people, like the person that put the ventil- put me on the ventilator, came by and said, "Miss Linda, I thought you were gone. He said, you did not look well. You did not look well at, at all.
1: So much so,
0: they re-ran my test. They were like, who you look like today is not who you look like.
1: When you, you came in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he was like, I, he said the machine was
1: doing what it was supposed to do, Miss
0: Linda, but you weren't responding to it.
1: At- now, Linda, everything was happening just in time just like you got tested just in time Just in time you called your doctor just in time because then that led to you actually going to the er yeah and checking in yeah and just in time because if you had dropped at home if you had flatlined while driving we may not be having this conversation Absolutely.
0: right now uh, any any. Anything after I got tested, like anything, if I don't know why I had the presence of mind, I was home by myself, and when she said you need to get to the hospital now, I, I re- the urgency in her voice registered with me. Okay, but I was so tired. I was tighter than I've ever been, and I just couldn't hold my head up. And I later learned my O2 stat was dangerously low, but. I didn't feel distressed. Like I wasn't having breathing anxieties or any mm-hmm. of that. And they tell me my lungs were filling up with fluid, but it wasn't painful. None of that was painful. When I woke up, right before I woke up, I remember an Asian doctor saying, You get to
1: live. We've decided you get to live. And there's a whole story behind that. But I was going to say, Did you ever, said, once you woke up and regain consciousness, Did you ever see any of the people in person that you feel as if you saw in your dream? Like were these actual doctors that had been coming into your room while you were on the ventilator?
0: I didn't see not one person that I dreamed of. However, there was a board in the room that was also in my dreams. And I was stuck on the staircase in, in New Orleans, Louisiana and I was in some type of prison and these bells would ring and they would let people go. They would You have to go before the judge and they tell you whether you were free or whether you were to, to remain in prison. Beside those stairs what I was stuck on, I saw this sign. When I woke up, that very same sign was on the side of my bed.
1: Okay.
0: That's the only thing from my dreams that transferred. And I don't know if I saw that at some point or what. But it was the exact same sign with the exact same how to call. It had the ABCs and it was the exact same sign. And it said Erlanger, the hospital that I was in.
1: Okay. Hold hold on one more question. When you regained consciousness, what do you remember thinking after they told you, Miss Linda, you flatlined and we didn't think you were going to make it?
0: They didn't tell. People kept saying, we thought we lost you. They didn't. None of them told me exactly what had happened to me. Okay. Okay. But the doctor would come in and say, "Miss Linda, your lungs took a, a, a really bad hit," and he kept saying that. But none none of them actually told me about the flatlining until I got stronger. Then a nurse came. She said, "You don't remember me." He said, "But I was standing over your head when you flatlined, and I was the one that had on all white." I vaguely remember sitting. See- this was funny. The doctor who saved my life is the same doctor who saved my brother's life in 2015 in another facility, not even in the same facility. Wow. Yeah, he saved. He gave me. Seven more years of my brother's life and he was the person that saved my life and he will be forever special to me he said I didn't know if you remembered me I told him I'll never forget you but he's the same mm-hmm. guy that saved my life he was the admitting physician when I went to the emergency room
1: wow and you, and you had the delta variant right
0: I had the delta variant yes I did and it that is, is a, it it was a killer. I mean, I was not the only person when I they had a ward called the COVID ICU unit and they had 12 beds and when I was there all 12 beds were full were full and mm-hmm. it was amazing that I even got to a room because they were sending people home because they didn't have room for them, and they were they had them you know everywhere because people were, there were a lot of people there with COVID, and my doctor later my doctor said we were sending people home for one to two days because we had nowhere to put them, mm-hmm. and he said the fact that you got a room, and and that you got in the way you got in, he said you're special, Miss Linda, and yeah. and my my doctor on the, in the ICU because I had several doctors but the the doctor in the ICU unit told me. He said, Miss Linda, I need to get you out of that bed. If I get you out of that bed, you're going to be okay. He said, if I get you a chair, will you sit in it? And I said, well, yeah, I'll sit in it if you want me to. I said, I'll do the best I can. And I remember there was a chair there that was just a regular straight office chair type deal. Got it. And I said, there's a chair there. I can go sit in that chair. He said, no, 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 Miss Linda, we're going to treat you like who you are. You are somebody's mom. And so we're going to get you a reclining chair. And that he did. That, he said, you're, he kept telling me, he said, you're somebody's mom. We're not going to get you just a regular chair, Ms. Linda. We're going to get you a reclining chair. We want you to get better. Yes. And, when, and there was a guy, his name is Bill. God bless you. He would come in and he said, Miss Linda, every day that I'm here, I'm going to get you out of this bed. He said, because that bed doesn't have your lungs positioned where you can breathe. If I can get you sitting up, then Miss Linda, you're going to start to get better. So he said, my legs were, all my muscles had atrophied. Every muscle in my body was gone. And so I, I was just a bag of meat and bones. I mean, literally just flesh and bones and no muscle at all, no muscle tone. So I couldn't walk. And he would come and he would grab me and tell me to grab him like I was dancing with him. And we would waltz over to the chair every morning so that I could sit there. He said, you need to sit there at least eight hours. He said, because when you're sitting up, your, brunt, your, your, your lungs are open where you can breathe. Yeah. And that was the thing. Like, my lungs were filled with fluid. I had mucus in my ears, in my eyes, in my mouth. Everywhere I had an orifice, that was mucus. Now,
1: and Linda, so, I got to tell you, if I ever get sick, I want your team, and I'm not talking about the hospital team. I'm talking about the home care team. Because when I tell you those boys and that daughter-in-law got it done, hey, you know, you know, I mean, they I mean, were fighting. They were fighting for best son status. One had the morning, another one had the afternoon. There were plates coming back and forth all day long. I said, if I get sick, I want Linda's team. You know,
0: my my oldest son practically moved in with me, okay. like him and my goddaughter came, they cooked, they cleaned they, I mean, because when I left, you know, nobody had been in my house, but I had pots I mean, I had food, and you know it was it was September, so it was still kind of warm, mm-hmm. and so I had an infestation of fruit flies in my house, like, it, it was crazy, and it was because I had left food in various places because I didn't know I was going to the hospital to the right, and not coming back and so they hadn't been in my house and then when they started coming to my house, they were like, "Oh my God, what's going on here?" But but they they did everything for me. Every I, my one prayer to God before I came home was, "God, please allow me to go to the bathroom on my own." And so, within days, from never being able to walk to regaining some strength by just standing up, like you know, I remember, I remember uh, a message long time ago, a sermon where the preacher was talking about Jesus Christ on the cross. And he said, what they did is when they stood him up, like that changed everything because when they stood him up, that became how he died for all of us. And I remember that minister in his sermon saying, if you can just stand up, if you can just stand up, you can be up. And I remember the, the, the guy by Bethesda, by the pool, waiting for somebody to, to pull him in. if you can stand up, you can get up. And I kept thinking that in my head that if I can just stand up, I can get back up. Mm-hmm. And the occupational therapist and the physical therapist would come in my room and they would just stand me up. And I kept saying, Lord, you said, if I can stand up, I can get up. Mm-hmm. And I eventually start going to the bathroom by myself and I got back up. I, I am, I had nothing but my head I could move. Like all of my arms, my legs, nothing worked. It took me, I remember going to physical therapy and telling the physical therapist, I can see under my arm,
1: I can see my armpit. And he was like. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank the Lord for small favors. But it sounds so silly and after he reflected
0: on it. He said, Miss Linda, I didn't know what you had came from. And I was thinking, okay, but did you do therapy? Did you do do (laughs) the therapy? You know, but it's just you have no idea how to be in an infant state, I mean literally Mm -hmm. in an infant state, to get back up and walk again. Like I I think I have long COVID. I go back to my doctor on the 20th mm-hmm. and like I have these aftershocks that go through my lungs and through my brain my memory is in and out like I'm still going through even though I look fine people think oh she's good she's walking she's talking she's... I have shortness of breath sometimes I have stabbing pains in my lungs um, sometimes I stumble Sometimes I'll start talking and I totally forget. So I still it's not as bad as it was. Like that yeah. whole brain fog you hear about? Yes. That's a real thing.
1: At what point in the hospital did the doctor say, Okay, I feel okay letting you go home now? Well, because I could I could go to the bathroom by myself.
0: And 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 they were trying to get now, check this out. So I didn't have insurance because I was waiting for my income to stabilize so I could get insurance. Right. And I didn't have insurance in in any, any of this. And that was the problem when I got ready to be discharged. He wanted me to be discharged to a rehab facility. But since I didn't have insurance, I had to come home. And so mm-hmm. the plan was that I would get, I could, that I would get physical therapy outpatient. That was the plan. Okay.
1: But
0: they had to set that up. So it was three weeks before I even got where I could go to that to and and pay them directly. But it was three weeks before I could get to that. My son would say, well, mom, I'm going to get you up. And they tell me if I can get you moving, keep you moving, that you're going to get to be okay. So my son would say, okay, we're going to do this. I mean, my son is <laughs> he's six four, two fifth, and he's a big guy. And he, he was like, mom, we're going to work out. he was like, Whoa, I, I, <laughs> I think I need some rehabilitation this is trying to get me loose but trying to tighten me up he was getting stiff and stuff but he that's the kid I had at 14. Now is that chuck a pop? No no no. okay okay he's my oldest son and he's a battalion chief at the fire department okay he's the one that I wrote the book about so the well-read memoirs of a motherless child is about being raised without my mom her dying, you know, of, of uh, the Hong Kong flu, right. I'm, she, I'm she scared. died. She died when you were nine. Yes, yes. So this is so. At fourteen, I had my my first kid, and so this is him. This is my firstborn, yeah. and he's always told me, "Mom, if you ever get what you can't do for yourself, I got you." Mm-hmm. And he did. He had me, and and even though I couldn't go to physical therapy uh, right away. He would have me doing something like walking through the house on my walker or, or you know deck your legs, mom, and move your legs up and down or do this or do that and and then feeding my you know my food
1: they cooked every meal yes, I- they, did. yes <laughs> they did yes they did, yes, they did I know i 'cause i I remember seeing the place going back and forth i remember well I remember one posting something about um I got hit first, and now I got best I got favorite son status. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I said, to- honey, it is, it is good to be loved, honey, because they, if they I ever get boys. sick, I want Linda's team
0: as my home care team. My oldest one, I tell you what, I mean, all of my boys, so I, my middle one lives in Cincinnati. And my, my oldest and my youngest the two firefighters. They live here in Chattanooga with me. Got it. And so the oldest mm-hmm. one was like, on command, like, okay, we need to do this, this, this. <laughs> we need to do this, this. And what what's funny is, because he's married and with kids, My youngest doesn't have children and he's not married. And so I put my next to can as my youngest one because I didn't want to, you know, get in people's lives. I didn't know, you know, I respect. Yeah,
1: you did. You didn't know how quickly they would be able to, to turn it around if you were in an emergency because the kids have their schedules, the parents have their schedules. Yeah. But the younger one, he didn't really have those additional schedules to be concerned about right
0: yeah. right and so he was the next weekend and and it's funny because when i first woke up well two days after i woke up uh the doctor said i've talked to your son because i kept i kept laying there nobody mentioned my family and i kept laying there thinking i wonder is anybody
1: looking for me <laughs>
0: I wonder." Mean people notice that I'm not around like mean world the
1: whole world was looking for you
0: the whole world is sending me emails girl where are you what's going on with you why are you quiet Mm because I post every day and I've posted every day for almost nine years
1: on at least four platforms that I know of yeah
0: so I post every day and so people who are used to seeing something that I post were like okay she hasn't been what's going on with her Cause she hasn't posted anything in a minute and that's what it was is i was unconscious i i and then when i started back it took me months to get around to 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 to, to thanking all the different people i know people around the world were praying for me mm-hmm. like my my friends over in africa my friends in barbados my friends in egypt and china and there people were praying for me korea mm-hmm. like Around the world, I had a prayer chain going. Uh-huh. I, I didn't even know, uh-huh. I didn't even know it. But they were praying for me. And I know that I am here because of the prayers of those people who love me, who but not I- enough to stop and pray for me.
1: At the same time, though, I'm thankful for your family. Oh, yeah. That did begin to post and tag you to let everybody know, hey, this is what's going on and where she is. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like I said, i i had I had over two hundred and seventy five voice messages mm-hmm. and emails, and like my phone had died while I was in the <laughs> hospital. Like it was in my purse, and I didn't have a charger, and so it was dead, dead. And I finally got asked one of the nurses if I asked one of the nurses if she would charge it for me, so I could call people and talk. To mm-hmm. people. And, and for a while there, I was only talking to family because my I have a sister uh, that's this disabled and she was really concerned about me. And so I wanted to make sure they got to hear my voice, even though at the time it was not my voice, it was right. my other voice. But I, I, I um, yeah, not being able to talk, not being able to swallow, like every muscle, you don't even know, like they say over, over 600 muscles in the human body. Every one of my muscles, even in my throat, had atrophy, and then I had uh, left side weakness. So they thought I had a stroke on my left side, and so that wasn't working. And it's and they were saying I was I was favoring to the left because this side I couldn't control it. I'm right handed, and so I mean you, all the things you think of. I had a blood clot in my lungs. I had pneumonia. You know, on the ventilator with the feeding tube, like passed out for dead. Like everything you could think of, the most horrifying thing that could happen to you. And I was totally unaware of it. Um, I was totally unaware. I didn't feel any pain. I feel more pain now <laughs> than I felt when I was in ICU.
1: Recovery. Yeah. How how has recovery been?
0: So, rec- so the brain fog
1: has finally lifted. That's a okay. plus. Okay. Now did did you did you receive the physical therapy at home? No. So I drove. So
0: it so at first, uh, my friend would come and get me and take me to physical therapy, but I felt like like I'm I'm independent to a fault. I am, Linda. I am, but physical therapy is about seven blocks from where I live. Literally seven blocks away. And so I started driving, you know, I, um, I get there, I got there in like five minutes, literally. I mean, it's nowhere. And so I've said, well, I won't, I won't inconvenience people to come and take me once I went there. Uh, I, I had physical therapy for 12 weeks, two times a week. And so, and, and they were like, oh, wow, you don't look like what you've been through. You know, they were like, You're moving around in Miss Linda. We have people that feel still <laughs> suffering. you up and running. Out the, door. <laughs> and the first night, when I first came, I had my walker, right? Okay. And then I decided one day I don't need a walker anymore. And so I stopped using the walker, but I had the oxygen tank because
1: I. Hold was- on, hold on, hold on, hold- push pin. Who made the decision you didn't need the walker anymore?
0: I did. I decided I didn't need it anymore. When was the doctor? What did the doctor say? I would just email her and say, hey, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Okay, Lynn. And,
0: and- Larger in charge. Got it. She knows who I am. I mean, she, she she's had me for 15 years. She knows who I am. But and so with the oxygen, it was a little different because I decided... So my O2 levels would drop and that was a problem. And, and then you learn that, you know, being, uh, because we are darker skinned, that sometimes the O2 step thing that you put on your finger does not read well. And so my goal was to stay in the 90s in my readings. Yes. So anytime it would drop to like 88, 84 and all those different things, I would put my oxygen on. Well, I decided that, Lord, I'm going to believe you. I don't need this anymore. I need to be able to breathe for myself. And so they had taught me breathing exercises. When they first taught them to me, I couldn't do them. Like I couldn't hold my breath because I felt like I I would, I don't know if it was anxiety or what, but I couldn't do it. And so I decided, well, they've told me what to do when my oxygen level drops, I need to do these breathing exercises and those are going to be what saves me. And that's what I did is I started doing those breathing exercises and I, Called the people and told them to come get my oxygen machine. They said, "Ma'am, we cannot do that. We need your doctor to." Thank you, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank, thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, Okay.
1: Because, mm, I'm done with that. They can come get this. Yeah, no.
0: Get somebody that need it. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so I, I so I emailed my doctor and said, "Hey." Um, they told me I was going to need this for a couple of months. It's been a couple of months. I'm over it. I'm, you know, it was like a tail, dragging a tail with you, you Yes, know. it like, is. Because oh. I had the whole big machine thing. I didn't have the little pocket thing you can strap on. So I had a whole oxygen tank that I was taking everywhere I went. And I was like, and then a mask, right? Still wearing the mask with the oxygen tank under it. And I was like, no, this is not going to be my life. So, yeah, so they came and got their oxygen tank, and I have not looked back. My O2 stats stayed with 95 and above. Um, there are some days I get exhausted because I overextend myself. I still have limitations, but knowing what those limitations, like if i if I go, travel, walk around a lot doing a lot of things, the next day I have to rest. I have to rest. It's not like I can get up and keep going, no, I have to rest. Do you? I do. Oh, it's not a question because I'm unable. (laughs) I'm unable to get up the next day to do anything. The thing about it is, I finally um, last week moved up back upstairs in my house. So my house has two level level, levels, and I was living in my my guest room since I got home. But uh, my middle son came home to see me, and so I moved upstairs. So that his family could have the downstairs. So yeah. So now I'm up. I'm back upstairs. I'm some days I'm winded when I come upstairs, but this too shall pass. I refuse because whatever you decree and declare happens. It, it happens because I refuse to to not give glory. I know that I'm here for a purpose, and I know that He woke me up to do a deed, and I will not do His deeds. in like how can I help you get unstuck if I'm still stuck I have to be the message that I'm sharing and so in order to do that I have to get back to being who I was before the pandemic and
1: that's
0: what
1: um, I see And and you are because the posts are starting to roll again yeah Yes, just yes. just this as they did pre-pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely,
0: because I have a message now. I mean, he gave me a new song, right? Because I already had the message of, you know, being a motherless child and having kids, you know, as, as a teen. And, but then when I woke up, he said, you need to tell people what happened to you, and you need to help people find their way to freedom. And so that's what I've been doing is I... Uh, as soon as I was able to get the vaccination, I went and got the vaccination, and I encouraged people to come go with me to get it because I know what my body will do without it. I am ready to know what it will do with it, and he r- reminded me of this, this spot on my arm for when I was a kid. My mother didn't have all the degrees I have. She didn't have the experience I have, but she had six kids. That she took to get vaccinated. And so a lot of people are like, Well, they got stuff in it and they just left. Guys, said, will you please just let me be me? <laughs> will you let me be me? You do your part. I got for <laughs> <So> my part <laughs> my part knowing that I have all these comorbidities is I have to go get vaccinated. His part is to make sure that the vaccination doesn't hurt me. And <laughs> I have not had any symptoms or any you know, people talk about the soreness or, or whatever. I haven't had any of that. I when it it was old before I even knew I had it, and I've not had anything wrong with me. In fact, I'm going in June. I have to do two things, so now I have to take the pneumonia shot vaccination, and then I have to take the booster. I'm going to get it, and people say, "Oh, but you're going to get what?" They say you need 14. I said, well, if I'm alive to take those 14, I guess I'll be taking them. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. Um, I do understand that the vaccinations were politicized. I do understand that totally. I do understand that it is a personal choice of whether you get it or not. It's just that if you have the illnesses like I have, I don't have a choice.
1: How many people have you convinced to get vaccinated? Quite a few, mm-hmm. quite a few.
0: And I've had people who their loved ones have been in the hospital and they've, they've inboxed me and said, "Miss Linda, my loved one has COVID. Miss Linda, please pray with me. Tell me what to do. And I just shared my experience with them. And in some cases it's, it's helped them to become better. In other cases it was too late. Um, the thing about it is each of us, we're different and you have to walk your own walk in this thing. And is it deadly? That was what I wanted people to know is that it can and did kill me, <laughs> you know? And so when you think about that, even in my mom's situation, she waited around doing homopathic things that she thought would work and none of them worked. And by the time, she got to the emergency room she already had double pneumonia and so her diagnosis her final diagnosis was the hong kong flu and double pneumonia and 33 years old that's just too young to die and those were the ages of the people who were dying around me like you had 30 year old 40 year old 50 year olds that were dying and the fact that i'm 62 and i'm still here i i I wanted when the charge was tell them what happened to you. And so every opportunity that I get, I tell people what happened to me because this is serious. This is serious, serious stuff. You know, most days I'm fine. I didn't make up today because this is what I look like without makeup. So I didn't make up today. Uh, But I wanted people to see this is what, who I am. This is who I wake up to. And so not, not not disregarding their fears, not saying that their fears aren't valid, but if you have comorbidities that you know you have. I know I've had asthma since I was a kid. I know I have high blood pressure since I was in my 40s. I know that I've been diabetic since I was in my 50s. Like Since I know I have these comorbidities, up until then, I was taking vitamins and trying to build up my immune system. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, my immune system can never get to the state that it will fight the illnesses that I live with daily and fight a COVID variant that's coming at me, too. Like, it couldn't get that, you know. I I couldn't get my immune system. I was eating vegetables, I mean, plant-based and, and taking minerals and vitamins and doing all of that, thinking, you know, why? They, and you, know, you may have seen a post where I said why aren't they talking about vitamins and immune system and all these things? Why they want us to push that vi- the vaccination? I was not against the vaccination. It was, I was waiting for them to go through clinical trials. Like I was a, at a hospital for six years.
1: Like a lot of the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I was waiting for them to, 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 to get all the, you know, do your tests, do your clinical trials, come up with your results, fix was wrong with it, and I was going to take it. But COVID didn't care about that. When I caught COVID, it didn't care that I was waiting for it to get perfected. It said, okay, ma'am, you have COVID. You were sick, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and that's exactly what it did. And so you have to think about, and this is the thing, this is this is what I I say to to parents of grown kids, because my kids are 33, um, 37, and 47. When I was delaying getting the shot, I didn't really think about them. I'm thinking, my kids have good jobs. They have people in their lives. They have each other. I was nine when my mom died, and, and I was the youngest of her six kids. My brother was 14, so it was like eight years between the six kids. And I was thinking, we got to be all right. They have each other. I've, I've taught them to be independent. They're going to be fine. So I really wasn't thinking about them. But when my oldest son asked me on the phone, Mom, are you going to be all right? It broke my heart because I didn't consider my kids. Like, I came very close to making them motherless too. And I would not put that on anyone. We need our moms. You know, if you're blessed to have a mother, give her a hug. Like, don't just do it on Mother's Day. Like, you, when you think of everything your mom taught you from the age of nine, to where you are today. Because I'm still pouring into my sons. I'm still teaching them about things that they have not incurred yet.
1: Now, when he said that to you on the phone, did you hear your 30, 40 something year old child? Or did you hear your nine, 10, 11, 12 year old child? The way that he said it and, and the softness of his voice. Everything in my life
0: since the day he was born, Mm -hmm. he saved me, and just like he saved me when I was 14, hearing him say, Mom, are you going to be all right? reminded me that I had to be all right for him. So I heard I heard his fear. Mm -hmm. I was reminded of what life has been without my mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't want to do that to him. Mama heard her baby so she had to get up.
0: It reminded me when they showed the video of George Floyd. Mm. And when George Floyd screamed for his mother, I heard his scream in my son's voice. so yeah i um it reminded me of that it reminded of me of it wasn't what he said it was what he felt Mm -hmm. you know you you feel you still even though they're grown you still feel your children's anguish you do you can tell when they're okay you can tell when they're not okay and so i knew that he had been worried about me. I knew that I had to reassure him that I'm going to be okay. And so, because of that, again, he saved my life. I mean, he, you know, the medical people did what they did. But as far as reawakening that drive that has driven me for 47 years to do well in front of him, he, he awakened that part of me. And I, I've i never intentionally let him down on anything. And I never will. And so mm-hmm. that's what I heard. So when, when you're grown, when you have grown kids, we tend to think they don't need us anymore. But they still need us. And they still want us here, even... <laughs> Even if they don't call, even if they don't come by. even if they don't, you know, just knowing that we're in the world somewhere mm-hmm. makes their lives better. Um, yeah, yeah, that that right there, I didn't think about that when I was going, when I was not taking a shot. I never, it never dawned on me. I'm this independent woman building businesses in the world. And I never thought about if I die, what happens to my kids and my grandkids, like, I have a granddaughter who's named after me. And we have some of the best times together. And you've seen videos of her, me interviewing her because <laughs> even when she was a baby. Like, you know, I named her Baby Sue. That's her That's her media name. Yeah. And then Chugga Luga, her brother. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody that follows me know about Chugga Lugger and Baby Sue. And so... In his voice, I heard what will my grandkids think when grandmother's no longer here. So those are things I hadn't thought about. I hadn't thought through. Had I thought them through, I would have gotten the shot earlier. But I wasn't thinking about them. I was just thinking about, you know, I'm busy, I'm doing this, they'll wake it out and I'll I'll get it later and you know. Um I I, I went to a funeral yesterday of one of my church sister's mom and the preacher said there were three and i'm sharing this with you because it's impactful but the preacher said there were three fallen angels talking with satan and satan wanted to find a way to make men man delusional, disillus- delusional and so the first fallen angel said well tell them there's no hell and Satan said, no, no, no. The preacher's been preaching about hell too much. They'll know there's a hell. And he said, well, tell them, th- the second fallen angel said, tell them there's no heaven. And he said, no, we can't do that as well because people have been preaching about heaven and hell, so neither one of those will work. The third one said, tell them they have more time. And Satan was like, yeah, I'll tell them they have more time <laughs> while they keep serving me. I'll tell them they have time to get it right before they can get to heaven. And they'll believe it, that they have more time. We never have enough time. Like I was out of time and I didn't know I was out of time. I wasn't in distress, I wasn't in pain, but my time clocked, right? And so, you know, imagine we don't know what day it's going to be or when it's going to be. We think we have more time to get it right. And the truth of the matter is we don't have as much time as we think we do. So in these few days that he's given me, in addition to my time clocking, I'm going to use them to tell people about time, how much
1: we really just don't have what we think we have. And to make the best of every moment. Every moment. Versus living in the past or living in the future, waiting for, trying to get to, reaching for, grinding for the future. But to make some time <laughs> it, to enjoy the moment that you have.
0: Like, pull out those plates and those cups and that outfit and those linen and all that stuff you've been saving for that, that day. Like, pull them out and, and serve yourself. Like, appreciate life, celebrate life.
1: The good towels. Yes.
0: <laughs> like, use the good towels. Like, don't... because we keep thinking we have time. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, none of us have as much time as we think we have.